Welcome back to the Umbrella, everyone. Today's episode, we have a special guest, a special guest today, which is North Schuylkill Boys Basketball Head Coach, William Bracey. And before we get started, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you, Coach, on marriage, getting married and a new journey in life. How you feeling about that, Coach, like being married so far? Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I feel good. Nothing's really changed. Uh, just my hands a little bit heavier now. So that's about it. But it's been fun. Uh, congratulations as well. Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, well, my first question for you today is, what type of music like your go-to song that you listen to? What's my go-to song? It's a weird question. I uh, listen to all types of music. Go-to has to be something Drake, though. Big Drake guy. So it has to be something Drake. Just turn it on and vibe to it. What made you get into coaching? Like, did you ever see that? you know, in your future, you know, looking years back? Yeah, I was always really interested in, in that side of the game. I wasn't like a great basketball player. I was like your average, you know, I could do certain things good, shoot the ball, be a good team player. It's always something like my IQ for the game is what made me good at the game. And I've always wanted to like share that knowledge. Um, so when I got the opportunity to to jump onto a coaching staff after playing, it was just something that and it interests me, like giving back to the game. Got you. I could definitely appreciate that. Another one of the questions I have for you is what are some of the ways that you try to motivate some of your players? Uh, maybe whether it's, you know, during games or maybe in practices, trying to make things uh, more engaging. What are some of the ways you kind of try to do that as a coach? As a coach, it's different than when you're playing, right? Because when you're playing, you can really get into somebody. Because you're like, you're, you share that sweat equity with them. So like someone's yeah. not holding up their end of the bargain. You know, you get on them a little bit. You play the game. Like, you know, you got to be in help. You got to do this. Uh, coaching exactly. is more of like making sure you're teaching and then really trying to find ways to reward them. Whether that's like this year we started a, a winning chart. Like so if you play great defense, you stay in front of your man, you get 50 points. And just like incentivizing little things. To make them feel like every day is important because all you want to do is stack days. So like finding ways to make them feel like everything's important. We keep scoring every game that we play. Like if we're playing three on three, two on two, we always have a score. We always have goals and, and we sort of track it. So then that way they can see progress and then they feel like they're playing for something as well. It just it just helps them and it helps us stay in a competitive mindset. Got you. I definitely I definitely understand that, you know, trying to keep especially younger guys trying to keep them engaged. It could be difficult at times, but those are definitely huge things. I think as a coach that can help players always kind of, you know, kind of stay on, stay on themselves. Like you were saying, you know, you can't always, you know, get on guys like you did when you were playing. So doing that, it seems like a great way to kind of keep the blood flowing and keep everybody engaged. Hey, for Ken, sure. are you back with us? Uh, yeah, but for sure. But, yeah. It's like, like you said, you can't get, like, as a coach, you get on your guys. Like, don't get me wrong. We get on our guys. But, you know, we've all had that coach where you're like, man, all he does is tell me what I'm doing wrong. Or what I'm Like, it's hard to do, to do it like when you were a player because you are in a different role. And 
really, we try to foster like somewhere where you you feel loved, you know. And that's my big thing. Is like we want to, we want everybody to love each other because that's when we're at our best, when we can have tough love, tough conversations, but know that we're all doing it together. Exactly, that makes perfect sense. So, um, something else I wanted to um, get into: How hard is it coaching when it comes down to balancing out? playing time between your, you know, with guys on your roster. I know that can probably be pretty difficult. Uh, yeah, it can be, it could be, uh, trying to find like the right balance of guys who should be on the court. But really I tell our guys, and it's something I really, I really believe is if I have 10 guys that can play, 10 guys will play. Right. That means like, I'm not going to just give you something, but if you can play defense and you can bring value to the team, then you have an opportunity to play for me. As far as like playing time, sometimes it's just a feel thing. Like once you get in a good rotation of guys, it could vary game to game how much each guy plays. I've had years where I had guys that didn't come off the floor. And then I had years where guys had to come off the floor and they had to play them in certain spots to help them be successful and then help the team be successful. So it's sort of a feel thing. But as far as getting on the court, if they do the things that can help us win games, I tell them all the time, if I have 10 guys that can play, I got 10 guys that can play. If I get a year where I only have six guys that can play, then six guys will play. So it's just trying to be honest with them and, and then giving them ways they could get on the floor instead of like not like saying, well, you'll never see the floor. Like, no, you can see the floor, but you have to do this, this, and this. And then, you know, gives them something to do. And they've been really receptive to that. So I'm, I'm grateful to have a good group of guys to really buy into what we try to do. Yeah, I think that honesty is definitely important. Like you said, kind of just being honest with guys. And I look at that as kind of like, you know, nobody's expecting to play. Kind of like everybody has to earn their their position in their spot, which is always good in the team setting. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it, and the one thing I've learned is like, even at the high school level, guys know who is working hard, who's not working hard. They, they know when you're not being yourself, right? So like, yeah. I try to be as transparent and as honest as I can. And then if other guys aren't holding up their end of the bargain, they see that. And as a coach, you could lose respect if you're not doing the things you're supposed to do. They're like, coach, you're telling me to do this, but so-and-so is not doing this. And you just want to make sure that you're keeping it, you know, just you want to just keep it 100 with them. And that's the, that's the, that's the best way to go about business on the court and off the court because the guys know. Exactly. They, they know what guys are putting that extra work in. 100%. All right. So another another question I have for you, um, the t- a topic that we've come across a few times since we started the pod, social media. Does that do you think that has had an effect on just how I guess I want to say how coaches go about coaching these days, especially at the high school level, where it could sometimes have an effect on, you know, players, maybe uh, how much time they spend dedicated off you know outside of practice and stuff like that do you think that something that does have an effect on uh high school players yeah i think it has an effect on on high school players college athletes like so the the rise of social media has been ridiculous like i wish we had it when we played like yeah (laughs) like it's crazy like i i could think back to sometimes where i'm playing pickup games in the park i'm like man i just did some wild stuff no but like Nowadays, if you do it, you could go viral, right? And yeah, exactly. Uh, and a lot of times, it could be a negative for some of this, some of this generation. But I mean, it's it's like everything else, like technology. You, we sort of lean into it where we're at now. So where last year we had guys come and 
videotape our games and make highlight tapes after our games. Like I really want to lean into it because for me, it's an opportunity to where I, maybe I could get these guys to the next level, like guys that want to play college basketball because they have this extra ability that, you know, we didn't have. So why not utilize that and try to better them? Right. And we still keep yeah. our, we still try to teach them like, you know, social media is good. We're not really out here for highlights, but like we're doing this because we want it for you to, to uh, help your chances of growing and get to the next level. We're like, I think a lot of times people from the outside see it as like showtime or, you know, just trying to do stuff for highlights when it could be both. But if you, I think if you teach it and you explain it and uh, you can have that conversation where if it's starting to get out of hand, you could dial it back. I think it's something that could be really beneficial. But it's for sure changed some of the games. Like, I wouldn't want to go pick, pick up basketball anymore because every time you go out now, someone's recording you at a big part, right? Like, I mean, it has, so it has uh, pros and cons, but we try to lean into it, try to use it as something to help us. We're in a small town and uh, something that makes us different from all the other programs. Okay, yeah, that definitely that definitely makes sense. We, we've just um, kind of touched on that a few times. And uh, we kind of felt the same way. Like if you utilize it the right way, it, it definitely can have benefits. And as long as you, like you said, keep it to a certain limitation, then it can definitely, um, along with other things, only benefit the player. So uh, that's definitely wanted to touch on that uh, while we had you here today. Another thing that a question I have for you, dealing with parents of players that you coach. Has that been difficult to deal with as a coach? Not really. There's always situations and conversations that you'll have to have. But again, I think as long as you're being honest and I not sometimes you gotta say stuff that people don't want to hear and it could be it could create tense situations or uncomfortable situations. But I really do feel like as long as you're honest and your intentions are pure and, and intentions that you believe and it's something that you can stand by. I feel like the parents understand that too. And like I said, it might not be all the time. You may get one or two that, you know, just don't like you or just don't like the way you're doing things. But I've been grateful not to have too many of those situations happen at the higher level. Varsity, I got more of that stuff when I was a seventh grade coach because skill levels are so much more comparable at that level, right? Seventh grade, everybody's about the same. You may have one kid that's awesome, but then everybody else is just, you know, average learning the game. So that's when, why isn't the so-and-so playing as much as so-and-so? They should all be playing the same minutes. So when you get to high school, you know, kids can really start to separate themselves and do the work for you, right? So someone's going out there and scoring 20 points a game, getting 10 rebounds, and they're playing defense. And then someone else is getting out there and they're obviously have other deficiencies, right? You know, everybody has a, a good knowledge of self-awareness. And at that level, players sort of tend to separate themselves Gotcha. Gotcha. For sure. Um, another question I had for you today, when you have a group of guys, what to you as a head coach, what makes a player a good or great leader? Like what as far as what what makes a player stand out as far as from a leadership standpoint? Leadership standpoint, I think like the really, really, really special athletes in high school have that ability to sort of battle through the daily adversity. So that's like coming into practice and it's day five of day six of a practice. And you know, you know, we're going to run today. It's going to be hard. And you have a game tomorrow or in two days. Like, it's just like 
little stuff like bowing through that, coming in, you know, clapping, encouraging. Leading looks different, man. It's it's not what it used to be, but that doesn't mean that it's bad anymore. It's just different things. Like kids are a little bit more timid to be leaders because gotcha. they're afraid to get judged by peers, by their peers. So like sort of helping guys really step into that role. So giving them things to do. But I think the, the really great ones at the high school level just have the ability to, you know, day six, we've been grinding for five days and I know today's going to be tough, but I'm going to go in there. I'm a smile. I'm a clap. I'm a find a way to have a little bit of energy, right? Want to be a bucket, a bucket filler, not a, not a bucket spiller. So like, just want to fill somebody else's bucket. If I'm low or he's low, I'm going to give him a little bit of extra juice today. Right. So like guys like that are the special ones who could just mentally be strong. Yeah. I, I definitely can agree with that for sure. Um, you definitely want players because I think a lot of times you, uh, like you said, leadership is not kind of, it's not looked at the same or it's not, it's not going about the same as it used to be. But I think guys can be leaders in other ways that it doesn't necessarily have to be like a speech type of thing. It could just be more by setting examples or like you said, cheering on their teammates, you know, clapping from the sidelines when they're not in the game giving guys on the team positive encouragement and stuff like that. So I, I definitely agree. Leadership definitely can look different and can be in many ways. Yeah. Hey, and coach. Yes, sir. So I want to ask a question. I know I'm just like jumping in now. I'm just want to ask a question. Um, that I don't know if Cam alluded to this question, but when did you realize that you want to go from a player, the competitive nature of being a player to jumping into coaching? The Cam yeah, alluded started- to that already? A little bit, yeah. So, like, I've always had a pat. Like, I think the game of basketball is phenomenal. So, yeah. I think it's something that that saved my life. I I was homeless at sixteen, and the only thing I knew was go to the YMCA and play basketball, right? And I would stay there from in the summer from like nine to nine. So, I've I've always had like a soft spot for basketball. So, playing it, I wanted to play it. I ended up getting good, like average at it, you know, and continued to play. Got got to college and. Like I said, my IQ has always been something I've really like tried to work on and has been blessed to like be able to know the game of basketball and learn the game of basketball through a whole bunch of different people. So like I've always had that interest in coaching and everybody would always say, you know, well, you're going to be a coach one day. You're going to be a coach one day. So like when I got an opportunity uh, at the seventh grade level, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll coach. And it's just something, something I sort of leaned into. And I, I really like I really appreciate it because it teaches me. Uh, like a whole bunch of things I never knew I needed to be taught. And it gives me an opportunity to also give back things that I was taught and try to help somebody else in their journey of basketball and, and see if I could give them what I didn't have at that time. And I think that's the most, the most, uh, but it's the most grateful thing. Like I get to see people grow through the game and then like on the court and off the court. And that's one of the things that I value the most about coaching. Okay. So my next question for you coach is, um, so right now your season about to kick off and what is your expectation for your current players and your coaching staff? Like this, you don't have to get too detailed, but just like a quick little explanation on what's your expectation for both sides. Our expectations, man, we always, 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 always just want to first things first, put our, our best foot forward. Right. I don't know what each team's going to bring year to year. You know, every team's going to have its own personality. It's going to bring on its own, its own life. My, my message is always to our guys. Let's go out. Let's stack days. Let's 
be the best we can be. Like, let's give 100% effort in everything we do, whether that's practice, whether that's film, right? And then see where that lands us. So if that lands us at three, three and 20, and that's, and we, and we did everything we could and we put in the work, but that's just as good as our talent would let us be this year. Then we'll live with that as long as we're, we're putting that in. If that means we're 20 and three, then we'll live with that too. It's just, we want to stack days and we just want to really see what the best version of our team is and give our, make sure we're giving ourselves the ability to do that by working hard every day. Obviously we had a good team last year. And we bring a lot of those guys back. So obviously our self-expectations is we want to be as, as good as we possibly can, but that's going to just come from the work. But yeah, we, we had a good season last year and we hope to build off that. We have, I think, a ton of good players coming back. Um, a ton of players I think are going to step up, but it's going to come down to how hard we work daily. And and then we'll just see where we land. Like I said, if it's three and 20, then it's three and 20, as long as we've done everything we could to maximize this team's value. Right. So. Yeah, I know it's generic, but it's something I really feel, man. It's we got good players, no, but everything that's good players. Yeah, it's not generic about that. That's just how what you you expect from your guys. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So I know you started coaching in COVID, the COVID season. How was that like? What was like one of those difficult things you had to deal with during that season? Ooh, everything, <laughs> everything. All right, listen to this. COVID might be the hardest, the hardest year I've ever had. To this point of coaching, I was, like I said, I started seventh grade coach. So after three years in seventh grade, like I went seventh grade, then JV coach, then varsity assistant. And in COVID year, our varsity, the varsity coach stepped down. I applied. I got the job, right? That spring. COVID hits at the end of that, the end of that year in the spring, I get the job like at the end of spring. So COVID hits. The hardest part taking over program was you could, we couldn't meet with each other. We couldn't do any activity. Everybody was shut down, right? Like everything was shut down for a couple weeks, but then everything was still shut down. Like you couldn't go to the gym. There's so many rules. So like that whole summer, I never got to get in the gym with our guy. We had one or two things that I set up and we went to a, a church because we couldn't get into a real gym because the real gyms weren't open. And we played once or twice, right? It was just so tough because I couldn't build and we couldn't work skill. And then the season comes around and there's different like contact tracing. And at the school, if one person got it in the school, then how they would do it is whoever sat at their lunch table would have to quarantine, right? So like, because that's where you're around them the most. We actually came in the season. We usually get three weeks to prepare. Got in day two, someone got COVID on the team and they shut us down for two weeks with a game. When we got back, there was like three days to prepare for a game for the best team in our league, right? So like, and the, the season was a month long. We had a month long season, started in January, ended in the middle of February. So it was one of the hardest things to prepare, like taking over a new program to set the standard and, and get workouts to try to build and try to put in all your stuff. And so we really were on base plays and not a lot of communication with each other like in person, and it just made it really tough. I mean, we, our guys battled. That's one of the my favorite groups I've had because of how hard they played when they didn't really have to. I had four or five seniors that I'm taking over that, you know, their coach just got, just uh, decided to resign, and there's young guys coming in, stepping in, and they didn't have to do anything for me. But those guys battled and battled and battled and uh, I'm, I'm I'm just so appreciative to that group. That's one of my favorite groups just because I know they didn't have to do what they did and they did it anyway. So I, I appreciate that group, but it was hard. 
Yeah, that definitely was like a tough year for the whole world. So I know that was like a different feeling, just taking over in charge and have to handle all that. Speaking of like taking over in charge. So I would just want like, what is your one advice for like someone right now that's, let's say they're a former player or they just want to like pursue being a head coach at a high school level. What would be like one advice you would give to them? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think. I think sometimes, like, especially, I think this is a, a man problem. I think this is, you know, a pride problem. And sometimes we don't ask for help when we need to, whether that be, like, mental issues or just in general with life issues. And I think coaching is the same way. I would tell every new coach, reach out and, and just ask, ask people questions. Like, I, when I first got the job, I was, sending emails to Jay Wright and sending emails to all these head coaches, right? And I didn't want to be bashful. Yeah. Like, I'm taking over something. Like, I don't know. I don't know everything. I know what I've learned, but can I learn more? Yeah. And how can I learn more? And then I was grateful to get in contact with one or two guys that were grateful to then, you know, yeah, coach, we'll help you out. This is what I took and I did. Like, that first COVID year, they were having a lot of leadership conferences and a lot of Zoom meetings. I got to meet Matt Painter, the Purdue coach, Larry Brown, the old 76ers coach, like John Jones, the Boston University coach. Like I got to speak and then sit into their conversations, like on a Zoom call and just see the way like the best in the world think or thought and their advice. And and that's the one thing like this. Always ask questions. Always ask for help. Like you'll hurt yourself thinking that. You can't do that or you can do it all yourself. And then the second thing I will say is as a player turned coach, you can't assume that everybody knows what you know at the level that you're coaching. Important. Because some, yeah, it's, it's, it's super important because sometimes you'll take it for granted that maybe what you know now, you may have thought you knew that in high school, but you really didn't. Because we grab stuff from everybody that we've ever played with, talked to. Like me personally, I talked to a guy when I was younger. His name is Wheezy. And... He's just, you know, your typical old head. Like, you, we all know one or two of them, right? You go to the park, the old head, he's just scoring, and he's assisting, and he's just – and after the game, he's talking to you, and you don't even know that he's just giving you gems until later in life. And you're like, oh, man, what did I learn that from? I learned that from, from so-and-so. Like, we take that for granted, and now you're coaching these kids, and they do something, and you're expecting them to do something else. But you just got to communicate with them. You just can't assume they're going to have that same knowledge because everybody gains it at different stages of their, of their playing career. Some get it after. So, like, you know, not taking that stuff for granted. Yeah, I agree with you on that in the aspect of, like, don't just assume, like, the kids already know and all that. Because now if you kind of look at, like, some of the, like, the the former great players that try to become coach and you kind of notice, like, their success wasn't, like, as good because I don't know if that played a factor into them. They just assume everybody just, like, should be, should know everything they know on the court. And that's, yeah, like, a different... That. That definitely probably played a part because I think it's it's like a it's like a transition. Like when you're a coach, it's like you can't expect every player to have your IQ or your ability because, like like coach said, they learn that at different stages. So it's like you kind of just have to you know kind of like read between the lines and know who knows what. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then the last thing, like if I had to do one more thing, it'd be new coaches don't get. Like, know what you're going to be good at or what you're good at right now, and then lean into that. Like, And then you can learn all the other stuff. Like, don't come in thinking, like, you're going to find 
25 excellent plays and you're going to be like a guru. If that's not your thing right away, then it's okay to say that's not my thing, right? Like, mm. I feel like I'm a good skill developer and I really try to lean into that. And I knew I'm, I'm, I was okay at X's and O's, so I had to get better at it and I gave my time to develop at that. Like, you know, just don't, like, it's not going to happen overnight and it's just a process of, like, just knowing yourself and then, you know, just being honest with the guys. Like, you know, hey, I want to coach you. I'm going to coach you hard. Listen, I'm going to make mistakes. Like, my, my first year, I can't tell you how many mistakes I made. I had, we had an 18-point lead on a team that we shouldn't have had a lead on, and and then we blow it, and I'm like, man, I could have did so much things better. And now my third year into it, I'm like, I look at my practices and everything else and how I've gotten better because of my experiences of, you know, just learning. And I think you just have to be, you know, forthright with the guys. Like, when I make a mistake, I go in there, I tell them, all right, guys, you know, that was on me. Like, I may make a mistake, we may guard people the wrong way. I'll go in there at halftime. All right, that's not working. That's on me. All right, let's fix this. And I think they really appreciate that, you know, because we're always on them. But when you can own your own mistakes, they look at that. Yeah, the accountability factor. Because you are leading a group of young men. They, they, you could be some of their father figures at the end of the day. And you just taking that action of accountability, that, that speaks in volume. So my question, we have... Cam probably talked about the pod. So we did an episode on what happens next when you don't get a scholarship as like a high school student. So I want you to tell us like something you feel like a high school kid that like, you know, they hard work and they do they but they want to play basketball at the next level. And they're a junior or senior, they don't have a they don't have a scholarship. Like, what would you tell that kid says like one of your players, but they want to play on that higher level? What would you what advice would you give to them? The first thing I would ask him, I'd ask him, how much do you want to, how bad do you want to play for next And then I, they say, coach, I, I want it. It's like all I want to do. Then it really becomes a, a thing where you have to be consistent and you have to be diligent and you have to, you have to email coaches. You have to call coaches. You have to find a way to get your foot in the door somewhere, right? There's so many college programs, whether it be junior colleges, NAIA, USEAA. Like Division Three, Division Two, Division One, AA, Division One. There are so many opportunities for athletes, and sometimes it's just a lack of, you know, asking the questions. Like I, out of high school, didn't have any real offers. I went to the army, got out of the army, started reaching back out to schools where I'm emailing 10, 15 coaches a day. Right? Hey, coach, my name is so and so. I played high school basketball here. I'm just looking for an opportunity. Is there any open gyms? Is there anything I could do? Is and like to the point where I'm asking other guys, like, you know, any coaches, where are you going to school? You think your coach would come down? Are you going to have a workout? Can I come with you to the workout? So like, how bad do you want it? Because if you want it bad and you're on that lower radar, one, are you working hard enough? Are you going to be ready for the opportunity when it comes? And then are you searching out the opportunity? I think a lot of times uh, we kids get in their head and they want, you know, I want to be D1. But if you can't go D1, do you still want to play college basketball? Oh, well, it depends. Then maybe you just don't want to play it. So like, I think it's a combination of everything. And I think uh, sometimes we get caught up in D1 or nothing or D2 or nothing when you can play college basketball at so many different levels. And it's, like I said, you don't get a, a scholarship. It's not the end of the world. You just got to work, right? Like, I know people that, yeah. myself, went into college at 20, like 20 years old. I'm playing college basketball. Like, it's your, how bad do you really want to play? Yeah, it's, like, funny that you, like, brought up the, like, going through the military because... Cam, remember when we was having the conversation, like in that episode, just giving out advices, did not bring up the military. Like, hey, 
Like that's a route you could take for like two years, and boom, you pop back in, work on your craft, and you back you back in the seat if you don't get a scholarship. It's like like it is. I feel like it is a big culture of D one or nothing, and I don't know if that's because of social media. I know Cam asked the question about the social media, and it it, it kind of like frustrated me as a basketball lover, like seeing that, like like kids don't realize, like yo, you could still play basketball, have fun, like. You could do it, like just like you, like Coach just said, just work hard, just keep working hard, and it's just a matter of time and it happening. So my thing is, Coach, did you ever run into like any conflict between players and you? Like, yo, this is like a like personal like players bumping heads with each other or just not seeing the vision you have. I don't know if Cam asked the question in that area nah, and I, how did you? I was going to get into a question say, about that. No, I was going to get okay. into that. I'm glad you asked that. Okay. So, Cam, you can finish it off now. You can ask Coach. Yeah, I just was going to ask him how he handles any players that, you know, like you said, maybe bump head during bump heads during games, maybe in practices. How do you kind of go about handling those type of situations? They happen more more often than what you would think. I mean, the biggest thing is, like, when those situations happen, you want to try to nip it in the butt. Like as soon as as soon as you can, like you don't want things to linger around your team. So like when you see something and or you feel something ain't right, a conversation is always to be had. We've always we've had situations where sometimes in practice this guy in intense. Like I've seen people body slam each other. And I'm like, you know, we can't do that, guys. Right? And we just stop it right there. Like this ain't what we're doing today. Right. And I, again, I think that's like everybody knowing that we're really when we step on the court and we're stepping in the gym, we're all pushing to do the same thing. Like we all want to mm. win the game. And and one thing we're trying to work on this year is our communication between each other. One, the person giving the message, right? Because your tone and the way you say things is important, right? So being able to try to control that a little bit better. Now we play now we're playing in an intense game. Maybe the tone's not going to be the greatest all the time, right? You know, emotions get high, stuff happens. But then as the receiver of the message, you know, giving that guy the grace period of, you know, we are in a game, a two-point game with three minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? So he's not going to be like, yo, you need to play defense better. Maybe it's like, yo, you got to do this or like, what are you doing? Like, it gets a little bit more intense, but you have to have the grace as a, the person receiving the message to understand, you know, we're all in this together. He's telling me this, not so much taking a tone, but listening to the message. Okay, this is what he's saying. Okay, I got you. And giving a grace period because it's a it's an intense game. And at the end of the day, we got to love each other, right? And that's 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 my message to our guys. We have to love each other and we have to appreciate what everybody does. And we're not going to always like each other all the time. Right. We're not always going to be happy all the time. But when we come in the gym, we have and we have to put our differences aside and we have to fight through it and we have to work through it. Because at the end of the day, it don't matter if so and so doesn't like so and so because of some girl. Right. Because when we step on the court, they that ain't going to help us on this. So like if we're going to step on the court together, we have to be we have to be one. We have to tighten the fist. So. It's a process. I mean, we try to nip it in the butt. Sometimes one-on-one's the best answer. Or you guys don't like each other. Why don't you guys play one-on-one? And then the game ends two-one after like seven minutes, right? So then who's better? No one really. Then why are we fighting? Like, what are we doing? So, you know, just little things. Okay, that that's funny that you said they're fighting over girls. <laughs> but, I mean, it could be anything. You feel me? Like, it, yeah, I just yeah, use yeah. examples. It could be anything. And then it could be as simple as, you know, so-and-so said this at lunch or like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a high school thing. It's, you know, in college, it could be deeper than that. You can not like someone because where they're from. You, you've seen that firsthand. We've had Penn State Schuylkill. You had New York versus 
Philly every day. Philly. And then all these other every, kids, right? So, like, it could be something like, you know, I don't like you from Philly. I'm like, because you're from New York. But then we ain't going to play together. I ain't going to pick you. You ain't going to pick me. Like, you know, I've seen the crazy stuff. So, you know, girls hey, are like, the issue. So, so my, um, I, my other question for you is the new era, like, so what was it, Cam? Like, episode two that we talked about, like, the culture, like, how basketball has, like, evolved? Yeah. So since, like, we all know the game evolved because we're in technicality, we're, like, early 2000 Hoopers. Like, so we've seen the game evolve so different. What do you like about the new era? Like, pros and cons. Give us, like, two pros, two cons. And how did that kind of, like, affect you coaching, knowing, like, the new stuff that's being evolved? Pros and cons. Kids are so much more skilled now than back in the day. Like the evolution of the social media, of being able to find trainers, see trainers do stuff. And and then the popularity of trainers, you know, coming out and actually working with kids. Like, I think that's been a growth. Obviously, there's some guys out there like, you know, that are fake trainers and some kids get got. But like, I think their skill level is so much more advanced now just like it is in football like these kids are playing seven on seven in football at the age of like seven right so like you're going to get better the more you do it so i think that's been something that's really separated them for this for like this iteration going up and i think you see it in the nba and in college so where you're watching some of this stuff and i'm like i wasn't doing that at 15 so i don't know how he's doing it at 15 right so that that's the growth where it could be better i think like kids sort of miss the value of of getting to play outside. Like I go to parks sometimes and there's no one out there and it's sort of sad to see. And it's not like, it is. it's just different. It's just different because now they're in the gym and they're shooting and they're doing, but I wish they would get back to a little bit more of, you know, let's go play. Yeah. The, the grittiness, like, like what we, we, we get to create, like, that's what we talked about in the episode. Like, yo, it's like so many parks around now that looks like nice. Like I felt like I, even Cam said, we both said we grew up on, t- like, terrible basketball court, but we enjoyed it. It was, like a, it was like a gift to us, like, just not having no nets. We still go into the basketball court. Like, these, like, I drive around here, and I see basketball courts that, yo, they look amazing for outside court. And I'm like, yo, no kid is in the park right now. And I think it's sad, too. It, it is sad. So what about, like, the, the new era, how they're, like, free-flowing? How do you feel, like, like when I say free-flowing, like, the positionless, like like the positionless basketball, the more I feel like this era, they're less restricted. Like, which is a good thing, I think. But sometimes it, it kind of looked like a bad thing when it comes there. But how do you feel about that? I think it's good for the game. I mean, I think basketball has almost always been a little bit positionless, especially when you got into our era when you have like the C webs and and you know Kevin Garnett that sort of bringing up the ball that could do a little bit of everything, right? So I think it's good for the game. You know, that the dying of the real center post game. It just looks different now. So maybe like instead of in the past where you could just post up and sit on a guy, now you got to cut to post up. It just looks different. But I, I don't mind the evolution. I like seeing the game grow. Yeah. So we, we all know the game, like that's just everything. Like I said last, like everything's going to change. That's just life. So the only thing like I have a pushback on the, like, I feel like some kids mentality, they don't want to like, they're like, all right, if I'm just going to do this, I'm going to leave it at this. They don't want to like, I don't know. I, I feel like if a kid is just a shooter, but you like you trying to like help him, and he's like, "Nah, I don't really don't want to shoot. I'm don't want to put the ball on deck." And like sometimes I feel like that kind of affects certain players. But I do love the free flow. It is better, and I love the three pointers. I, I love it. But then you have 
great coaches like Greg Popovich who are like, all right, it's getting abused. And they feel like coaches are not being able to get creative. Like how back then it was like, you know, more strict like zone sets and all of that to like get get the offensive going. So how did, like what's your input on that? Like how Pop was saying he feel like the creativity for coaches has kind of went down due to the three-pointers. I think there's a point to be said to that. But I also think I also think that there's so much more you can do because of the spacing on the floor. So, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, you can't do as some of the stuff you used to do. But, like, look at the stuff the Warriors are doing, right? Like, just different little wrinkles where now the floor is so spread. And you get two or three really great shooters. It, it changes the way the defenses have to be played. And I think it just makes the game a little bit faster. It does. It can hurt it. I see, you know, Pops are all-time great coach. I mean, he won't be complaining in a couple of years when Wemby's MVP, right? So, like, you know, there's pros and cons. I just, I think the evolution is, is something that's great. Yeah, I think when MJ came in and he started dunking, now everybody was athletes forever, right? Coming in, want to be the one who jumps the highest, who can elevate on their shot, right? And now some more, if you can shoot, you can play. You didn't really need to do that back in the 90s when MJ was there, right? He had one or two really great yeah. shooters. So yep. it's, it's, it's different. Hey, Cam, I know you got a question about the defensive end. He <laughs> was itching for one of those. Yeah, because I just had a question like, do you think players, well, players in high school now, do you think most players are willing to put the same amount of work into the offense that they do the defense and like not just, okay, I'm guarding my man one-on-one, but I mean, you know, knowing coverages, knowing help side, just stuff like that. Cause it seems like a lot of times, I think even in the NBA, I think a lot of times defense just get overlooked. Like if a player's good, it's like, okay, he's good on offense, but we don't really care about his defense. How do you feel about players that, well, more so you, how do you feel about trying to build players that are good on both sides of the ball? I think it's a combination of everything. I think you just have to have conversations. And then the biggest thing is, you know, who are you going to play? Right. If you're going to play someone that's obviously not going to take defense serious, then you're not setting a good standard for for what you want to see. And the players will see, well, how can I get on the floor? And if you're just going to play anywhere because the guy can score, then maybe you're doing yourself a disservice and you can't be mad at, at what you expect from them defensively. So I think one, teaching them how to play defense is huge. A lot of kids don't know proper techniques or what a hedge is or what this is. So like go, going back exactly. to breaking it down and treat and teaching them how to get through down screens, how to do different things, and then rewarding what you want to see. So, you know, because if you're not rewarding players that are playing good defense, why would he consider to play good defense, right? So it's yeah, a combination of yeah. yeah, that's why I just was about to, like, hop in and ask you that because I feel like maybe that's the reason why some kids are, like, not too, like, engaged. Like, they engage enough, but not like not like how the earlier eras I felt like players on every, like, college, high school, like, it was, like, a super engagement. Like, it's still good kids that get engaged, but that's why I was, like, maybe it's probably the warden and... Yeah, I I think I had that question because as a player, like, I was never the greatest defensive player, like, coming out of high school or anything, but I feel like once I got to college, I had a coach that really, like, 
kind of turned me on to defense, like made me want to play defense because he made me look at it a different way. Like he really put me on to like being in a position to, to take charges. And once I figured that out and added that to part of my game, it was like, you don't know how effective something so small, like just always being in position to take a charge can have effect on the game just defensively. And I think it's like coaches being able to like kind of find small parts in defense that make players enjoy it a lot more to make them like, oh, I love playing defense. That's really, that's what it did for me. It made me love playing defense after that. Man, uh, Cam, you got a, you got a, you got a nice coach. I had one high school coach straight up told me, yo, you don't play defense, you're not getting on the court. (laughs) So I was just like, yo, I'm playing defense. Yeah, that, I mean, it's sometimes it's got to be like that because like I said, I was never the player that, like, when I was in high school, like, I tried on defense, but it was like, there, I didn't really know the nuances of defense. And then once I got to college, it was like, oh, you know, if you kind of, when you're playing help defense, if you constantly stepping over to make that help, a lot of guys that are on offense, they think you're just, like, hedging or, you know, faking. And if you, but you actually step into that position, and get position, sometimes even if they pass the ball off, they're still going to run through you and you can still get a charge. So it was like stuff like that where you can like make players like, yo, if you get this in your game, you're, you're definitely going to play more just because you're going to be helping your team get stopped, which that to me, that's always what a coach is going to want. If you're on the, on the court and you're helping us get stopped and helping us get possession, oh yeah, you're definitely going to play. And if you already can play offense, Oh, yeah, you're definitely going to play. A hundred percent. And like you said, little things like charges can change the game. And then, like I said, just got to reward guys, right? Like, you know, and make everybody feel like they have a job because in reality, everybody does have a job, right? So, like, we're not telling you that's something that's not true. It's, you know, and maybe some people's strengths are better. And this is how you're going to help us win games. And you leaning into this is going to make us win games. And that's how they have to look at it. Um, and then just take it from there and be it for them to be able to put their impact on the game. Like knowing, hey, you got to guard the best player every every game. And you may only score four or six points a game. Or maybe don't score at all. But like how you're going to help us is if he takes tough shots and he normally scores 20, but today he scores 11. Right? So just little things. Exactly. Giving them a job. Hey, Cam, North Schuylkill definitely got some dogs on defense. I'm going to let you hey. know that now. <laughs> it's a couple of kids you would like there. They got some. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Yeah, coach got he got a couple of dogs on defense out there. They they make defense look sexy again. I'm glad because it's it's I don't know it's, it's like you said. There's players out there that they stand out, and that's probably one of the reasons because they work they work so hard on defense. But it's like I feel like a lot of times defense gets overlooked. So I love players that can play defense, and effort is more than anything. You got the effort then all you got to do is learn the nuances and the techniques, and then you good. Hey, um, Coach, we ain't going to hold you up too long. Cam, you got any more questions? Like, anything you want to get off? Ask Coach real quick. Um, Just one, one last thing before we let you go. Just any advice you have for any of our listeners, young players out there, high school, college, just uh, one piece of advice you want to leave before you, before you go. Yeah, my advice would be to – you know, treat the game with love, right? And and enjoy the game. Like you still gotta have fun. 
I, even the highest level basketball players still have fun and and you have to find the fun in the game and you have to balance balance that with a with the will to work and and make sure that you're working on stuff that's going to help you succeed and help you reach your goals but i think the main thing is to have love for the game and have respect for the game and if i if you do that i feel like the game will treat you right so like that's my biggest thing just treat it right and it'll treat you right yeah that's that's our slogan over here just keep loving the game it's going to love you back Hey, um, I do got one more question though. Hey, coach, what was your favorite ball kicks to wear? Harachi two K fours, baby. Oh yeah. Oh, he a. Co- <laughs> I forgot he a Kobe head. <laughs> oh man, it's too many Lakers fans in this joint. But now <laughs> let's uh let's uh let's uh we're gonna wrap it up, Cam. I just want to um, thank everyone that's listening right now. Keep supporting us. Keep giving us advice on the pod just to improve it. And coach, thank you for being our first special guest on this pod. Hope you could come back again and then have a fun, a fun pod. Until next time, everyone, stay under the umbrella.